This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County and Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 89.1 in DeKalb, Sycamore, covering much of central Illinois and now some of northern Illinois, and hoping to expand even further. We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn. Remember that we are brought to you by you, and so any donations that you can make to Catholic Spirit Radio will be greatly appreciated. If you'd like to learn more about us or make a donation, you can go to our website, and that's catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com. You'll find out a lot of information about us, and also you will find out uh, how to make a donation. And any donations, large or small, are always greatly appreciated. Uh, It is really hot uh, this weekend, and so everyone is suffering from heat. But I think we're fairly lucky here in central Illinois. They've had a lot of really extremely hot weather out west. And I think now they're having a lot of really hot weather out east. I think, in fact, actually, they've had some really hot weather out east uh, as well over the last few days or week. And uh, we haven't had anything that's been really bad. It's uh, a little bit warm as I uh, speak, but uh, the temperatures uh, in the next day or two are going to be a lot cooler. So I think we can be pretty grateful where we're at. We haven't had too bad of a summer. And uh, the hot weather, a lot of it hasn't been exactly as humid as it usually gets in Illinois. So that's been a bonus, too. So I think we can thank uh, God and uh, where we live uh, for, uh, compared to everybody else, having a fairly uh, nice summer and and a nice year. So Yes, uh, and all this heat, even down in Texas, not even down, they've really had it, high temperatures. But in their public buildings— the lowest they can put set their uh, air conditioning is 80 because of the rolling, you know, they're going to have to have rolling blackouts. Yeah. 80 in this kind of heat. I think, in fact, actually in Texas, didn't they also ask people who have electric vehicles not to charge their vehicles? Right. Because <laughs> so, I don't know what good it does to switch to an electric vehicle if you can't charge them. And of course, I don't know how many electric vehicles are really actually on the road in the United States right now. I would guess probably not over 5% of the vehicles on the road. And uh, Texas is an awfully big state, so that 5% would be pretty well scattered out. So if you can't even charge 5% of your electric vehicles, it seems to me this idea that everybody should go to electric vehicle is a little bit silly. Yeah, Uh, right. You know, and this heat wave is even extending into New England up into Maine, that is, uh, they're, they really aren't up in New England, up in Maine. I know they are not used to having 90-degree weather, let alone 95 or higher. They, yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> they're going to suffer. Usually they're cooled a little bit more even than the middle northern country. Like, you know, Minnesota can get pretty hot sometimes, but they're right in the middle of the continent, you know, with the land surrounding them. And uh, New England, of course, and Maine is on the ocean. And usually, you know, you get a moderation from the ocean. You get a little bit warmer in the wintertime because the ocean moderates the temperature uh, by, by cooling down a lot more slowly. 
And then, of course, in the summertime, it heats up more slowly and it keeps you a little bit cooler. So, you, yeah, we, but we got to keep in mind, we still haven't, you know, some of the records, the heat records for around here and in the Midwest were much higher 100 years ago than we haven't broken those records. So we can't, I don't know about this yeah. environmental. I agree with you. It's hard to deep, deep. when we talk about climate change. Climate change is something that changes over long periods of time. I mean, we have ice ages and then ages in between that we can look back at. And uh, certainly people didn't do anything to cause an ice age or to cause it to stop. And we know that there are geographical and astronomical factors that contribute to those kinds of things. And uh, they will come and go regardless of what human beings do. And uh, I think in the last ice age, it was not that long ago. I think it ended here about maybe 15,000 years ago. And uh, probably we'll have another one coming in the next three to 5,000 years. Uh, and the people living at that time coped with it. Uh, Dad will think they rolled over and died and said, well, we're all going to die because we're having an ice age. In fact, we've had people, Stone Age people, uh, living in the Stone Age here within the last uh, 80, 100 years. The Eskimos, the Greenland Eskimos especially, living up in the north, were still living uh, pretty much as Stone Age people 100 years ago uh, or so. And uh, they did quite well. In fact, actually, I think... Uh, Weren't there, you know, the, there was this idea of the uh, Northwest Passage that England kept on looking for. They wanted to find some passage through the Northwest Territories by ocean, yeah, going sure. from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean. And uh, there really, you know, isn't any, like they were looking for, some clear passage where they could sail right across. You can get across that way, but it's tricky and there's a lot of uh, ice and so forth, even in the summertime. And so they sailed, uh, tried to find that Northwest Passage, and many times they ended up, uh, in fact, uh, even though they were carrying tremendous amounts of supplies and canned food and everything else, their food going bad and starving to death or dying from disease and cold. Well, the Eskimos were living in Stone Age people were living quite well all around them. So, I mean, you know, the fact that... Uh, uh, they could certainly survive an ice age. I mean, and, and with all of our technological know-how, are we saying that we can't cope with some heat or can't cope with uh, some cold weather? We certainly can. And this idea that we should all be terrified of climate change is actually silly because we've had human beings living through tremendous changes in climate uh, within recorded, or not maybe recorded history, but within, you know, historical periods and eras that we know of. So... Well, in the 1930s, uh, especially towards the end of the 1930s, the temperatures were really hot in Illinois in the in the summertime. People couldn't sleep in their houses; they slept out in the porch or maybe even in the yards. Exactly. And I know people have I've talked to people that lived through that. I mean, many of us have. It's not that long ago. No, and it was it was hot in the 1950s as well, too, about yeah. the mid-1950s or so, right in that era. We had some very, very hot weather. And, and some uh, really horrendous storms. And uh, I remember, you know, turning the fan on in the house and everything else, and it was hot. I remember going outside, you know, me and my brother sleeping in the tent and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we, we got through it okay. 
And then also in the 1990s, we had a five-year drought right here in the Bloomington Normal area that was worse than in the 1930s. And uh, we came through that. And, uh, the weather was actually hotter, Lynn, than it was in the 1930s. And we came through that okay. Uh, it happens. Uh, it does. So at, at any rate, you know, it is sort of an insane world out there. And uh, we'll talk about some of the insanity that's going on. Uh, but uh, what we wanted to talk about, Lynn and I, today is get back to the church. And uh, this will relate to some of the insanity that's going on out there. And I will uh, uh, talk about that later on in the show. But we wanted to talk about what is the main or ultimate final goal of the church. And this is the topic that uh, we wanted to talk about. Why did Christ form his church? And uh, why were we instructed to uh, carry on and hand on the uh, uh, all of the various dogmas of the church from year to year and uh, generation to generation down through time, and we've been doing that for 2,000 years. What is this, you know, final goal? And uh, we'll talk about all, a lot of the things that the church does, and, uh, but we are going to ask uh, what, uh, how are those things related to the final goal, and what is that final goal and uh, work toward that. So we're not going to reveal that until the later in the show. And then we'll talk about maybe some of the insanities that are going on today and how the dogmas of the church relate to those insanities and how the church is a means of meeting and uh, coping with a lot of what's going on in our world today. So is there anything, Lynn, that you have that you wanted to talk about before we start along those lines? Um. Well, along those lines, I guess you could uh, the German Church. What's yeah. going on in Germany right now? Uh-huh. And Francis is trying to rein him in. I don't know if he's going to. I sure hope he can. But sometimes when you let things go so far, you just cannot rein it in. But they're sending them some pretty strong messages that they better knock it off. Well, maybe that's why we need to talk about what is the ultimate and final goal of the church. Why is it in existence? And uh, why do we go to church? And what's the church for? And if we keep that final, sharp, clear, ultimate goal in mind, it may shed light on what we should or should not do along those other lines. So uh, one of the things, of course, most important to the church uh, is to preach the gospel. Wouldn't you say, Lynn? Yeah, that was the main directive, wasn't it? Exactly. Christ said, go out and preach the gospel. And, of course, we were given Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, we hear the gospel every Sunday when we go to church and hear parts of the gospel also uh, if we go to church as well on the weekdays. And what does it take? It takes about, uh, what, three years or something like that? A daily in three years, yes. For us to go through the scripture. Mm-hmm. And hear most of uh, the gospel and the important. Or, no, it's a Sunday. It's three year cycle. Three year cycle on right. Sunday. Right, okay. and daily it's a two year cycle. Okay, two year cycle daily, and and then uh, we change how we do some of those things from uh, every three years or so, from time to time. And but the point is, is that uh, as important as that is, as important as preaching the gospel is, and Christ instructing everybody to go out. And isn't that what He ordered them to do? He said, "Go out." And uh, 
preach to the world, you know, go out and uh, command the world to do everything that I taught you. Isn't that what he said? That's what he said. And they were with him for how long? They were to be very careful. They were with him for about three and a half years altogether. Yeah. And uh, everything that they learned. And he didn't tell them to go out and hand out books or pamphlets. He told them to go out and preach the gospel. He told them to go out, uh, you know, every word. Uh, he, he talked about the word coming out of our mouths. In other words, uh, his word was oral, and Christ taught almost all orally. He seldom, that we know, of, ever wrote anything down. He certainly could read and write, and he, he read and so forth the scripture uh, in the temple and uh, in a synagogue, rather, I guess. And uh, last, so we know he was uh, an educated Jew and could read and write, but he mostly did by showing and doing and preaching. And uh, so, I think the only time he wrote was in when that one challenge uh, when they tried to condemn the woman for adultery. Yeah, he wrote something down in the sand, and uh, it's it sort of recorded time, <laughs> right? It sort of took the wind out of the sails of all the prophets that wanted to stone her. I don't know what he wrote down, but it may have been something. Uh, pertaining to their own personal sins. And uh, so it sort of brought them around to a different way of thinking. At any rate, the point is is that as important it is to preach the gospel, that is not the ultimate goal of the church. I mean, we have to constantly ask, why should we preach the gospel, don't we, Lynn? Yeah, we do. Why do we, why do we go out and preach the gospel? Why do we want people to come into the church? Another uh, uh, important thing when we have you know, our Protestant friends especially say we need to form a personal relationship with Christ. We need to have a friend in Jesus. And this is important uh, for forming a personal oh, relationship yeah. with Makes Christ. Makes it easier. But uh, again uh, in a Catholic way of doing that is a little bit different. Uh, we don't think in the same terms of uh, I don't think a forming relationship with Jesus as maybe some of our Protestant friends do, some of our evangelical friends. I think Catholics uh, more are taught to see the world as Jesus sees it. In other words, see the world through Jesus' eyes, through him and with him and in him. And we are to follow his example uh, I think uh, a good uh, book on that was uh, The Imitation of Christ. Uh, in other words, that we're supposed to imitate Jesus. We're supposed to be like Jesus. And uh, that relationship that we form is supposed to be Jesus-like in the sense that we go out and act and behave and see and do things along the line that Jesus did, that we imitate his behavior and what he did and uh, affect the world that way. Not so much that Jesus is sort of riding on the front seat of our vehicle with us as we ride along, and he is just our personal friend. So there's a little bit of a difference there. But again, uh, is going out and forming a relationship with Jesus the main uh, part of the church, or do we do this for some other reason? And uh, that's what we're trying to get to. We're saying there has to be a primary, an ultimate uh, reason why there is the church. And uh, certainly those two things that we talked about, preaching the gospel and forming a relation with Jesus, are very important. But they're not the most important things about the church and uh, why it was formed. Uh, So uh, as we go along here, we can talk about, uh, is there anything further before I go further that you wanted to add to this, Lynn, that you can think of? 
I've got some more ideas along the lines here, but there might be something that uh, I'm missing that you might want to jump in here and say uh, something else important about the church. All this whole emphasis on evangelization, I think we need to question, is that really the main purpose of why the church is here? Well, Jesus certainly told us to go out and evangelize, and so that's something that we're bound to do, and there's many, many different ways of doing it. You can do it by example. You can do it by preaching. You can do it by simply going to church and uh, uh, taking part in the various activities that the church has, or you can do it by, again, like I said, by just simply being an example and going to the church. You can do it by donating. There's many ways that you can evangelize. You don't have to go out and preach to everybody. And it's important. Sure. But what if, we're doing here today is evangelizing, isn't right. it? But it's not but the most Im- No, it isn't. It's not the most important thing. thing of the church. It's not the most important goal there is. There is a goal, and I'm going to have to stop here and take a break, but I'm going to say there is a goal that every single thing in the church points to. I don't care if it's from sweeping the floor to uh, emptying the waste cans, you know, to turning off and on the lights uh, or saying mass itself. There's one important goal that the church is for, and uh, we'll eventually get to it. In the meantime, we're going to talk about some of the other things the church does, why they're important, but why it's not the final goal. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks. Others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working. Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to catholicspiritradio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. The next Catholic Spirit Radio pilgrimage is September 29th through 30th. We'll be going to Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica. We'll tour the Mother Angelica Museum and visit the Rhoda Weiss Miracle House. Rhoda had the stigmata and interceded for the curing of Mother's physical ailment. This bus trip also includes a tour of St. Mother Theodore Guerin Shrine at St. Mary of the Woods, Indiana. Check the Catholic Spirit Radio website for details. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're talking about the goal of the church. What is the ultimate goal of the church? Why was the church formed? Uh, why did uh, Christ uh, start it and send his uh, apostles out into the world and commanded them to go out and teach everything uh, and that he, he commanded them to do and, and uh, learn when they were with him? And he said, go out and teach the world all of that, you know, just as I told you. And uh, so it's important that he started the church and that they're going out and doing these things. But we have to ask ourselves, why? What's the ultimate purpose that all of this is being done? And so we talked about a number of things already. We talked about the the fact of uh, preaching the gospel. Uh, uh, We talked about uh, forming a relationship with Jesus and uh, we talked about uh, conversion, you know, evangelization, converting people over to Christianity uh, and those kind of things. And they're very important. 
but they are not the most important thing that the church was formed for. Uh, maybe, what about Lynn? I'm, I know you're over there writing some things down yeah, that you're thinking of, but I'm thinking of the sacraments. What about the sacraments? Uh, they're, they're very, very important. So was the church formed to apply the sacraments to us? And uh, what are those sacraments? Uh, what's one of the first sacraments? The very first. Well, baptism okay. is right. the first. Baptism would be the first. And the, the first three are baptism, um, confession, or reconciliations, and communion. Exactly. These are all helpful things, and they're very necessary to bring you close to God, but they are not the primary purpose. Exactly, and we were told, you know, we have to be baptized into Christ. We have to be baptized into the church, and that, you know, and it washes away original sin, and it brings us into the church, and uh, it starts us on our way. And then, as you said, there's also uh, penance uh, or reconciliation, what we call today confession. And so, when we stumble. And uh, because we can, just because we are baptized, that doesn't remove the sins that we can commit as we go along our way in the world. And so there has to be a way of removing those sins. And it's very, very important uh, reconciliation or penance, confession to a priest. In fact, you know, Christ said, uh, whoever sins you uh, forgive are forgiven. Uh, whoever sins you retain are retained. He told the apostles that. He told Peter that and go out into the world. And so there's only one way that the, the priests, the apostles, can know the sins, and that's for people to confess those sins orally so that those sins can be heard and can be forgiven or retained depending on whether the penitent is, uh, whether someone is really truly sorry for those sins or not. And that's uh, you know, a judgment the priest makes based on what the penitent tells him. And so those are important things. But is that the primary purpose of the church or for the just for baptism and for uh, reconciliation, and uh, what was the third one you said? Eucharist, communion. Yes. Okay. So those are three. Those are the three basic basic uh, uh, sacraments of the church that Christ gave us, and those are very very important. But why? Why are they important? And are they the ultimate goal of the church? And the answer, of course, is no. They're not. Uh, what are some of the other sacraments? Then after uh, uh, baptism, confession, and communion, then confirmation. We're confirmed in our faith. Uh, when, we, when we're baptized, we're just children or babies, and we have someone speaking for us, our parents, of course, who speak for us in everything else. Uh, they are the ones who commit us to learning in school, and they are the ones that commit us to learning how to read and write. They are the ones that take us to church in the first place and bring us there and so forth. We certainly don't do it voluntarily when we're a baby or even a little child. We go because our parents command us to go and bring us there. And so, you know, that's, that's why they have us baptized. But at some later point, when we're a little bit older, usually, at, in, at least in the, uh, uh, the Western church, uh, when we're a little bit older, then we receive confirmation because then, you know, we've already been baptized into the church. We're participants in the church and uh, going to church. And a confirmation is, is to confirm that to uh, uh, when we're old enough to say yes to that. You know, we're asked to say yes. And so we receive confirmation. Right. You have to give, you give your own consent 
Exactly. And uh, you, you give your consent because when you can't give your consent when you're when you're too young. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't baptize people into the church when they're younger any more than we shouldn't take a child and send them to school until the child can, you know. Consent. If we waited, I never would have. If we waited for consent for everything, a child would be absolutely uh, without any kind of instruction or teaching or culture or anything at all. Uh, I mean, the parents have to act in his behalf. Uh, it's only common sense. But confirmation then is a reaffirmation of what we already have, uh, what we already are doing. We've been baptized. Uh, we have uh, learned to confess our sins, receive penance. Uh, we participate in the Eucharist, uh, in communion. Uh, and now we are confirmed. All of those are extremely important but they're not ultimate. What's another sacrament, Lynn, after those uh, sacraments? Well, then when you get uh, a bit older, you choose a vocation. And that vocation is either the married life, which would be the sacrament of matrimony, or holy orders. Exactly. And uh, the marriage, of course, is usually more primary in a way than holy orders. Holy orders can't come until there's marriage, until there's, uh, uh, you know, children, and those children grow up, and the parents teach them, bring them into the church, and then a person can uh, decide if they want to be a priest or accept holy orders. And so if we're looking at things, uh, the sacrament of marriage, I think, is primary to holy orders, really, because it comes first. Yes. Without marriage, there would be no holy orders because there would be no people to receive holy orders. Right. And uh, this is what marriage is all about. It's about a man and a woman coming together to raise a family and to send the uh, human race forward and also within the church to fulfill all of the various occupations of uh, the church, both the laity and also the clerical uh, part of it. And, and then also participate and uh, be uh, in society and contribute to the ordinary civil uh, society itself. So uh, we have that. All of those are extremely important. Without those things, we would really have no society. Uh, it would be very, very disordered and probably collapse. And uh, we are confronting some of that even today uh, that is going on. So Certainly are. So those are extremely important. Without that, we would have no society, and uh, maybe people would go out of existence. But nevertheless, that's still not the most important part of the church, is it? No, and that's not the last of the sacraments either. No, it's not. We've had how many so far? We've had uh, uh, baptism. We've had uh, penance. We've had uh, reconciliation. We've had communion or the Eucharist. We've had uh, confirmation, that's four. Marriage, that's five. Holy orders, that's six. And we got one more, don't we? Yes. And what's the last one? That's, well, that's the last sacrament we receive would be extreme unction, which is the old term. It's... uh, the sacrament of the sick now, but extreme still is part of that. It's our food for our our uh, transition over to 
our life in eternity. Exactly. It was called extreme unction at one time. It was sort of, it was sort of a, a strong term. And I mean, you know, it's the idea of death and dying. And uh, But the church understands that it's really receiving the anointing that uh, helps send us on our way into our immortality, into the next world. And it's called nowadays the anointing of the sick. So and those uh, that sacrament, of course, we usually receive last. Although the anointing of the sick, at one time, if people had the idea that it was reserved for the very, you know, the dying, the very surely dying, you know, on the last legs or the deathbed and so forth. Now it's administered in cases where there, you know, there's a serious uh, situation that could lead to death, and uh, you can receive it. And you can receive it more than once, and uh, it's not looked at in quite the same way as it used to be, but it's still the same exact thing. So now we have the seven sacraments, and that's one of the most important things that the church does. Uh, in fact, there are people that join the church uh, and simply that find out about the sacraments and join simply because they want to receive the sacraments. And those things, uh, the sacraments, are what gives us grace you know, in addition to the freely given grace that God makes available to everyone who wants to reach for it. And uh, it's important, those sacraments, uh, for our lives. But the question we have to ask is, why? Is that the ultimate goal of the church is simply to uh, apply the sacraments to us? In, or in our case, in some cases, of course, we apply the sacraments ourselves to each other. When people marry, uh, they, they apply the sacrament to their spouse and vice versa. And uh, so it's not always the priest applying the sacrament. But at any rate, they are important, but they are not the most important thing that the church can do. We'll have to arrive at that. And uh, again, they are helpmates. Helpmates. And can you think of any other things? So we've gone through the sacraments. What other important things that church do does? Teaching. What? Teach? Teach. Okay. Especially before there were uh, secular schools and so forth, it was the church that did most of the teaching uh, of society. And we, we wouldn't have universities and so forth today and colleges and all that. All of those things were started in Christendom by the Catholic Church. And so the church teaches not only about uh, the sacraments and the theology and the reasons and existence of the church. It also engaged uh, and still does in teaching about the world outside of that from a Christian or a Catholic point of view, which is very, very important also. Seeing the world through Christ's eyes and seeing the world through the truth as it really is. And uh, that, of course, led to colleges and universities and led to science. In fact, the church, uh, the, the cathedrals in the early days were also um, places of scientific experiment, uh, all kinds of science, regular, ordinary, secular science went on in those cathedrals. They were, desi they were designed a lot of times as astronomical observatories and so forth to learn more about our world and about the sun and the stars and the moon and those kinds of things, and uh, contributed tremendously to our, if you look back through the greatest scientists that ever lived through all of history, you see many of them were Catholic and Christian. Uh, and then later on after the Reformation, so-called Reformation, I always say, 
there were a lot of scientists who were Christian. Maybe they were not Catholic, but they still looked at the universe from a more Christian point of view. And so the, the church gave all of this to the world as well. And all of those things are important, extremely important, but still none of those things are the primary purpose of the church. And There's so, another purpose. Okay. To, to love your neighbor. That's an important and one. Coming along with education, came hospitals, hospices, hospitals. They turned into to care for the people exactly. physically. Exactly, there was the there was the you know knights, the hospitalers, and uh, out of that grew you know the orders of helping the sick and uh, of establishing places of refuge for the sick, and that later on turned into what we call hospitals today in hospices that we have, and all of that was done to help uh, the, the sick and help the disabled and help the poor. And uh, so uh, loving your neighbor turned into specific things that we do. Uh, there Very was, important things. And that's an important thing. People talk today secularly about this idea of social justice. And uh, we use the word social and we use the word justice, and both of those words are a little bit iffy. I mean, for one thing, when we use the word justice, what do we mean by that? And the only thing I think uh, we can really truly say, and uh, the Greeks had a definition of justice, and it meant getting what you deserve. But the fact is, is what is it that you do deserve? And uh, that's one of the important uh, points of the church as well. And so, you know, one of the ultimate goals, and we'll get to that. But the fact is, is that it's difficult for us as human beings to know exactly what somebody deserves. And so justice really under the law is treating everybody equally under the law. And that is a concept that came about under Catholicism, this idea of having the application of the church, the, the sacraments, the uh, laws of the church and the dogmas of the church applying equally to everybody from the poor as well as the rich, you know, from the smart as well as the not so smart, uh, from the learned as well as to the unlearned. And that gives us our sense of at least legal justice. And uh, the church uh, spread that a whole idea throughout the world. People seem to take it for granted now, although we are losing that idea in our country today. We're having a lot of uh, a two-tier legal system anymore that applies the law unequally to people. Certain people are judged uh, depending on their ideology or their politics uh, differently than other people who are uh, depending on their ideology or their politics. And this is very, very dangerous for a country. It can destroy it, tear it apart. And uh, it was the church that provided this whole unifying factor of, you know, the Imago D, that every single person from the lowest to the highest deserves to be treated under the law and under the regulations of the church equally to everybody else. And that may not always work out because of, uh, it is, as well as it should, because of the faults and uh, failures of human beings. But that's the goal, and that should be the effort that, that our system of justice makes. And that, that's another thing. Uh, by the church. That's very, very important, and societies can't uh, really get along without it. In fact, they can't get along with all of the things that we've been talking about contribute to a very, very workable and functional civil society. And But yet, they're still not the ultimate goal of the church. 
so social justice uh, is something that's difficult to define, but loving your neighbor is not. And loving your neighbor by treating him equally uh, under the laws of the church and the laws of the society to everybody else goes a long way to actually achieving what we could call justice here on this earth. And so that is something uh, that's needed. But again, it's a product of the church, but it's not the most important goal of the church. All of these things that you're beginning to see, uh, you know, that are byproducts of the church. And the church comes into existence for a different reason. And all of these, in effect, uh, that we're talking about are gifts that accrue. And didn't Christ say, you know, that uh, he didn't come to deprive people? He gave came to give people uh, more happiness and more abundance. Uh, that, that the rules, following these rules didn't de- take away from freedom, that following these rules actually contributed to freedom. So we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about some of the things the church does and then finally see if we can get to the ultimate goal of the church. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. The next Catholic Spirit Radio pilgrimage is September 29th through 30th. We'll be going to Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica. We'll tour the Mother Angelica Museum and visit the Rhoda Weiss Miracle House. Rhoda had the stigmata and interceded for the curing of Mother's physical ailment. This bus trip also includes a tour of St. Mother Theodore Guerin Shrine at St. Mary of the Woods, Indiana. Check the Catholic Spirit Radio website for details. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to catholicspiritradio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Here's a lovely way to spend an August evening. On August 3rd at 8 p.m., everyone is invited to pray the rosary. Catholic Spirit Radio is hosting an outdoor rosary event in their parking lot under the glow of their illuminated rosary. Ice Cream Sundays and radio station tours start at 7.15. The Glorious Mystery start at 8. Sit in your car or bring your lawn chair to the north parking lot at 108 Boykins Place in Normal. Rain or shine, August 3rd. See you there. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break, and we've been talking about what is the ultimate and main purpose of the church. We have been going over some of the most important things that the church does, and uh, they are all extremely important. They contribute tremendously to the well-being of individuals and also to the well-being of society. And uh, to the whole of uh, Christendom at one time, and now, of course, to the whole of uh, various countries and governments. And all of those are gifts from the church, but they're all byproducts of what the ultimate purpose and aim of the church is. And they're all byproducts of why uh, the reason that Christ started the church in the first place. And so we'll get to that ultimate reason as we go along. But we need to discuss uh, all of the various things. And what, what I'm getting at here is there was something that actually is above everything else. 
and all of these good things that accrue to society and make it possible to live in a functional world, all of these come from an ultimate goal of the Catholic Church that started with Jesus Christ, and he founded it and formed it, and he did it for a purpose, and that purpose uh, is something that we're aiming at and we'll get to as we go through the various byproducts that came because of the pursuit of that ultimate purpose. So can uh, I can think of another one like uh, we, so I. okay if you want to go ahead love your neighbor okay I think we just did that didn't we sort of um, in another sense loving your neighbor means reaching out and taking care of your neighbor other people okay that's an important thing that the church does yes it does. It was, you know, took care of feeding people, uh, protecting people, making sure people had shelter, and so on, you know, those physical needs. Exactly. And it, it actually spilled out into ordinary civil society and governments, you know, picked up that same uh, goal. Uh, it, the, one of the goals of government is to help not just the church, but to help everyone in the Pursuit of taking, yeah, of taking care of their neighbor, and again, the purpose, one of the purposes of government is to contribute to that, to make it easier to do, and to contribute to it to some extent itself. But it all started with the church, and it's a spinoff of the ultimate goal of the church, just like other spinoffs. I can think of another one is like to forgive, uh, you know, to in effect love our neighbor is to forgive trespasses. In other words, to learn to be a civil society, we have to be a forgiving society. And that's one of the most important works of the church is to teach that, is that uh, we can't let uh, trespasses against us uh, constantly, you know, form our thinking and make us all enemies. You know, there Hobbes, I think, was one of the philosophers said that originally society was sort of a, a war of all against all. And if we're going to come together, we have to have the idea that we can forgive each other for trespasses because we're all human and we make mistakes. And uh, in some cases, of course, we make mistakes that are serious enough that they have to be paid for temporarily here in the here and now. Uh, it could mean, you know, punishment, going to prison, restitution, and all of those things. But nevertheless, there has to be in law uh, a touch of mercy and forgiveness. Otherwise, we can't really function as a society. And we can't always be you know, living constantly with the idea that someone uh, stepped on our toe and we're never going to let it go. That's a big thing in this world today. Exactly. And the idea that you have to have a little piety, you know, practice what you preach, but also the idea that you are not God, and we have lost much of that. Exactly. and uh, it's a, I mean, just because you're a high official does not make you the God of the universe. Exactly. And, 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 and it's also that gives you a lot of freedom in a way. I mean, because... To be otherwise is also to take on the responsibility for everything. That's right. And uh, you can't do that either. You have to put some things in the hands of God because you're not in control. 
but uh, and so because of that, you make mistakes and you're not, uh, you know, omniscient and I'm, you know, uh, I'm simply can't see everything in the future. And, and so you have to be able to forgive others and others have to be able to forgive you. If even, you know, you, you might do things that uh, turn out badly. So, you have to learn to trust in God, and I think that's a very hard thing to do. So that's something that the church teaches, but it's not the ultimate goal of the church. No. Nope. There are all reasons for these things, but they're not the ultimate reason. And then I could say another thing is to worship God. Uh, we're commanded to worship God. We should understand that there is a God, and we need to worship God because everything that we are or ever will be or everything here, it's all a given. There's nothing that we didn't create. We didn't create anything originally. Everything that we do, we may rearrange, put it together in another way, and we do call that creating. But it's a secondary creating, right. and it's not a primary creating. It all comes from the gift we were given. We, we didn't give ourselves our own lives. We didn't give ourselves all the material that we work with. We didn't give ourselves our brains or any of those things. Uh, they they were they're a gift. And so we have to understand that, and we have to be thankful for that gift and worship God. So that's an important thing that the church teaches, and it's important for any society to have. Without it, uh, a society doesn't function well. But again, that is not the ultimate purpose uh, of the church. And so we'll get to it. Uh, is there anything else you can think of that you wanted to add, Lynn, before I go on to? Uh, no. I, well, there are a lot of things, but to to narrow them down, it's, it's difficult. Well, we have to uh, do good and avoid evil. I guess it would be one thing the church teaches us uh, to try and do the good. But again, uh, it's important to do good, what we call good, but how do we understand what the good is? And how do we understand what the evil is and how do we avoid it? Well, the church teaches us those things. And that's extremely important because without a church, if all we do is take our cue from the material world around us, if everything were just material, if our, our brains are material, our minds are not. And if they were just material, then we certainly couldn't arrive at anything outside of the material universe itself. And we can see from the material universe itself that you can't find or touch justice in it. You can't find or touch kindness in it. You can't find or touch any of these things that we call virtues or that we call abstractions. They don't exist in the material world, and they do exist. And if they do exist, then they must exist somewhere else. Plato called that, you know, the, the third realm, that abstractions exist in the third realm. Modern scientists, you know, try to say, and philosophers, that they exist, they're just products of our minds. But that's simply not possible. Uh, you can't get blood from a turnip or blood from a stone. And the fact is, is that the material world does not carry abstractions. It does not uh, carry these things at all. Uh, if the mind were simply material, uh, abstractions couldn't exist any more than if you had, say, bricks that were of one color, let's say they were blue, and that's all through and through, no matter how you arrange, arrange those bricks or what you do with those bricks or how complex you make those bricks or what kind of patterns you make out of them, they're going to be blue. They will not have white or red or yellow or any other color. And if something doesn't have something, it's simply not there. 
And if the material world doesn't have abstractions, and it does not, then the material world cannot create abstractions. You can't create something out of nothing, at least not human beings, and the material world can't do that. We know that for a scientific fact. And so if these things must exist in a different realm. They exist in the realm of the mind, and the mind, therefore, cannot simply be material because if it was, the abstractions couldn't be there. So they have to exist, as Plato said, in a third realm. And, of course, the church teaches that they exist in the mind of God, and we are in contact, our minds, with that mind of God. And so we can get into a lot of philosophy here. But simply enough, this is another thing that the church teaches that is very, very important, and that is the abstract virtues that we follow. Uh, They also come from the mind of God. And the church teaches those things. That's an important thing, but it's not the ultimate goal of the church. Christ founded the church for a, a, a goal that's even higher than that. Can you think of anything else, Lynn, that uh, uh, we've pretty much exhausted, I think? I, I, I think so. There are other things out there, but really we're getting to the point where it's going to take too much time to dig for them. So, okay, then so let's get to the point then. Actually, what was the church founded for? And, can uh, anybody guess? Can anybody out there guess and uh, what we're driving at? I think a lot of people may be able to, but uh, we'll make it clear. And what is it that we're driving at, Jones? Why did Christ found his church? To save souls. Exactly, to save souls. Christ founded the church for one purpose. All of these good things are a byproduct of saving souls. The most important thing that the church does, and the whole reason that it was founded, the whole reason that all of these dogmas were given, the whole reason that all of the sacraments were given, the whole reason that God makes grace available is to save souls, to make it possible for souls to be in God with he- in heaven, rather to be uh, in heaven with God. Be in union with and your the, creator. The, the whole purpose of the church is all of its machinery and everything else should be directed at one purpose, and that is to get us to heaven. That right. is the whole sole purpose of the church, to save souls, because we do have a soul. We have something that's disattached from this world, and we can tell that through some of the things we just said, and to save our souls. And if the church focuses on saving souls and makes it its prime purpose, and that's what its prime purpose is, then all of the other good things follow. And the reason that it can save souls is because it was given the dogma and the machinery to do it. And Christ told us to go out in the world and to teach everything that he commanded. And he gave us all of those things in order to get us into heaven because he made us a free spirit, a free person. And we can choose the good or we can choose the bad. We can choose not to act. And we can choose to act. All of it is a choice. And that is the kind of freedom that we've been given. And the church is the means by which we save our souls. And that is why we convert people to the church. And that is why we, and that is why we evangelize. That is why we try to follow the rules of justice. That is the reason that we love our neighbor. That is the reason that we receive the sacraments. That is the reason that we do everything that there is to do in the church is to save souls. And if we focus on that, 
everything, all of the other things will fall into line. It's exactly what he said. All of the other things in the world will be given to you in abundance. He, he told us he didn't come in order to deprive us of all the, the goods in the world. He gave it, came so that we would have them in even greater abundance. And only if we follow the purpose that the church was made for, and that is to save souls. We should understand that everything in the Catholic Church, from washing the floor, to wiping the window, to emptying the wastebaskets, uh, to cleaning the, the toilets, uh, every single thing is for one purpose, and that is to save souls. And if we focus on that, and that's the most important thing, then society all falls into place, and the civil society can operate functionally, not dysfunctionally. And if we don't follow that, then all of the other things, one by one, begin to disappear. If we make any of those other things primary, then the very source of that primary is lost. In other words, we cannot form a society that is implicitly good. And just take it that it, there, it, implicitly it is good to help your neighbor, or implicitly it is good to uh, mete out justice or implicitly because those things aren't really implicit. They come from somewhere. They don't come from this world. Uh, they come from our minds, but our minds are engaged in something unworldly because these things that are that important don't exist in the material world and it, they exist in the mind of God. And our whole purpose is to be with God and to be with God, we have to be like God in in a certain sense. We have to see things that way. And it is the means by the church that we do this. And that is the whole purpose of the church to save souls. Everything else will follow. And if the church doesn't focus on saving souls, if we start thinking that politics or poverty or justice or some other thing is the most important thing that we can do here on the face of the earth, or it's the most important thing that the church can do, everything begins to go right. You were talking earlier about the German church, Lynn, mm -hmm. and they're focusing, it seems to me, on Man. worldly worldly things. Like uh, people may be unhappy if they can't have something like what they call a homosexual marriage or something. But that's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to get us to heaven, and we do that by following its dogmas. And even though they may seem on this earth as if sometimes they are more binding, Christ promises that they will bring us far more abundance, far more freedom, far more civility, and a functional society. And if we don't follow them in that way, we'll lose all of those things. And so substituting any of the lesser things for the most primary things is always going to result in a loss, and it always is also a lie, and it's a deceit. And what did Christ tell us uh, to, you know, who is, who is the father of all lies? Oh, Satan. Satan. And, and the Antichrist. The most important thing we can understand is to follow the truth Christ said, I will give you the truth, and the truth will make you free. And if we don't follow that truth, that the most important thing is to save our souls and be with God, all the other things eventually become confused, and we begin to follow what Satan is leading us into, and that is nothing but deceit, empty promises, and dead ends. 
And that seems to me what our world is starting to go through right now. And there's no cure for it except to see the world through the, the, the lens of God and the truth and the church is the means of doing that and it does it for one reason and that is to get us into heaven and so saving the souls has to be more important than anything else more important than helping the poor more important than having uh, social justice none of those things will come about unless we follow the dogmas that lead us to the salvation that Christ promised us and he gave us the church for that purpose and that's the ultimate purpose of the church and uh, without it, we're lost. So we're going to have to end here. And I hope uh, this has been something that has been enlightening. I know thinking about this and re-going over it is always, always a good exercise. It's certainly always enlightening to me. I'm sure it is to you as well, Lynn. Yes, it is. So primary purpose is to save your soul. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruin of souls. Amen. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com. Or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio 